0: Greetings and welcome to Poirot, Greatest Detective, with me, Paul McLean.
1: And me, Helen McLean.
0: We're back in our second ever episode. Hooray! We've survived the first one. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So we won't go through the long introduction since last time, because this time we're looking at...
1: What's the episode title again? Murder in the Muse.
0: Murder in the Muse. Now, what I do know about this, because I have David Suchet's book about being Poirot, and he says, actually... This was the third one filmed in the new series, but it was shown second. So they filmed this one and the third one, The Adventure of Johnny Waverley, which was filmed second. So they swapped them over for whatever reason. So this was third one filmed, second one actually shown, which is the 15th of January 1989 and originally recorded in August the previous year. So, and at this point, London Weekend Television are spending about half a million pounds wow. in production per that's, episode.
1: That's a lot in 1989.
0: Yeah, so what's that about? Yeah, 10, no, five million over the entire series. <laughs> okay. It's a lot. Sorry, I do like the extra details. <laughs> and the other detail I got out of the book is that each one hour story took about 11 days to shoot. I can
1: believe
0: that. So, yeah, yeah. they put a lot of attention into it. But really, we should get on with the plot for Murder in the Muse the plot.
1: Poirot, Jap and Hastings are on a bonfire night walk, as you do, um, and Hastings leaves them at a muse to go and see to his car. Next morning, Jap rings Poirot about an apparent suicide at that very same muse. Arriving at an unexpectedly grand art deco muse house, they find that the victim is a Mrs. Allen. Both the police doctor and Poirot note several things amiss, which include the way the victim is holding the gun, some missing fingerprints and the placement of the victim's watch. Poirot also checks the bureau and the litter bin that's next to it. They interview the uh, fabulously named Miss Plenderleith, who was the victim's flatmate uh, and they find out that Mrs Allen was generally happy she didn't seem suicidal uh, and she that she was newly engaged to an MP called Laverton West. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Because Mrs Allen was holding the gun in her right hand they double check that she was right-handed and, and Mrs Plenderleith confirms that. Hastings, meanwhile, is gathering intel from what I would only describe as a local urchin, especially if we were about 50 years earlier. Cool, blimey, Governor. He's, he's properly like that. Uh, who saw a much older military man leaving the house the, the previous night, seemingly speaking with Miss Allen. Quite why that little boy was still up, I'm not sure. Um, Power and Jack go and speak to Laverton West, who doesn't really give very much away. Although Jap brilliantly describes him as a boiled owl.
0: boiled out. Episode title ahead. <laughs> Warning.
1: They go again to speak to Miss Plenderleith, who identifies the military man as Major Eustace, who had known Mrs. Allen when she lived in India. While there, Jap checks the understairs cupboard. The camera pans past a set of golf clubs before Jap finds a case, which Miss Plenderleith is quick to identify as hers. Poirot and Jap then find Major Eustace in a very questionable Chinese-themed club and following their conversation with him he's arrested for murder as it transpires he was blackmailing Mrs Allen. Poirot then revisits the victim's house and is let in by a charwoman uh, who actually recognises Poirot to his great Oh, that's Mrs. Pierce, isn't it? Great pleasure, yeah. He checks again the understairs cupboard and sees that the case is gone and that Mrs. Plenderleith is off playing golf. He follows her to the golf club with Hastings where they play a round of golf and they keep finding a number of broken clubs as they go around the course and they see Miss Plenderleith throw the case into the golfing lake. The episode ends with the first of one of many gatherings we will see over the series, um, this one actually at Poirot's, where they invite Miss Plenderleith in. And it transpires that she had found Mrs. Allen's body and then set the scene so that it appeared that she had been murdered so that Major Eustace would be punished for causing her death through blackmail. And as Jap sums up, it wasn't a murder disguised as suicide, it was a suicide disguised as murder.
0: Nice twist there, Agatha. I enjoyed the episode. I don't think I... Weirdly, and I can't actually put my finger on it why, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the other one that was shown first, The Adventure of the Cap and Cook.
1: I'm not sure I did. And I don't remember feeling that when I'd seen it previously. And maybe it's because I'd literally finished reading the short story again before we watched the episode. Um, Some of the things felt quite different. So Hastings and Miss Lemon aren't in the story that's not unusual for that to be the case and them to be in the episodes and the the apartment looked so different or the flat where they or the house or whatever is the muse house looked so grand it wasn't quite what I was expecting I don't think compared to the
0: actual story by Agatha Christie
1: yeah because it's described as a converted stables and it just didn't have that sense um and then yeah and then then the room of the victim didn't match up either um, but the first thing I wanted to talk about is what on earth were Poirot, Jap and Hastings doing on this bonfire night I walk? <laughs> Lad's night. <laughs>
0: Lad's night. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a wonderful quote because um, basically Poirot asks Hastings, he says, you know, what, what do you think about the gunpowder plot with Guy Fawkes? And you know this guy, and he says, oh, I don't do politics. But then it goes on this wonderful piece by Inspector Japp about his wife seeing too much fun. In fact, here's that particular clip.
1: Where's Mrs Jab tonight, then? She can't abide fireworks. Ah, the noise disturbs the delicate sensibilities of many ladies.
0: Maybe, maybe. I think it's more that she doesn't like to see people enjoying themselves. Yes. <laughs> Some boys humour there, <laughs> I, I think.
1: Know. It's just a bit strange. There's a couple of bits when they go to the crime scene. I was going to mm. say murder scene, but it's not really a murder scene. Uh, where they go to the, the crime scene, um, I think this is this bit felt quite different for me because some of the information they get while they're inspecting the body, there's no way they would have like the gun is still in the victim's hand, and yet they say, "Oh, the fingerprints aren't quite right." Well, they wouldn't, a fingerprint <laughs> did it by then. The other thing I found a bit strange was that in the story, although she'd been shot in the left temple, the gun was found in her right hand. But in the TV episode, the gun was in the left
0: hand. I should expect it to be.
1: Yeah, if she had killed herself. But as I said, the the fingerprints were slightly off.
0: <laughs> um, well, I mean, she was very thoughtful, unfortunately, in this terrible situation because she'd used a low caliber pistol mm. to make sure that the bullet didn't. Exit and spray over that really nice carpet yeah. they had down because it would have been <laughs> well really vacuumed messy. Well that carpet, They'd have yeah. to get the cleaner, and, you know, yeah. it's just
1: ooh. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Poirot does a few investigative things in the room. He sniffs the air. He looks at the bureau in great detail and checks the bin as as well. Um, and then they go down and speak with Miss Plenderleith. Now that's quite a long Discussion in the in the short story and you know, she has a fire lit and Poirot asks her about that mm. um because she had it lit for a particular reason. Oh, uh, we find out later. Yeah. yeah. But but that's that's skipped over and they're not there very long. Then they go off and see the the MP fiance who is important for the reason why she's being blackmailed and why she doesn't see a way out.
0: Oh, this is Charles Leverton yeah. West.
1: But he doesn't really add very much to it. Well, I
0: think the character is played very well as described. Yeah. He's a bit self-absorbed.
1: And he, you know, when they ask him was, was she right-handed, he goes yeah, oh, I, mean, I think I've never really noticed, I assume so.
0: Yeah, my bride-to-be. I yeah, wrote in yeah these I haven't teams. really looked. I'm a member of Parliament, you know. Yeah. I'm, about
1: to- I'm on the phone <laughs> to the Prime Minister. Yeah. Very important person. Um. Poirot's then back at his apartment with Miss Lemon and Hastings, where they have a very strange conversation about the Chinese laundry who's been doing his collars. Oh, the
0: Bulldog Breed Laundry. Yeah,
1: and it's um, let's just say it was of its time. It's a. Little, it was filmed
0: in 1988.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. It
0: because it's a Chinese. Laundry.
1: Yeah, they do an so, impression, shall we say. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll, we'll leave it at. That. Yeah,
1: it was and just a little peculiar. I don't know how common as, they are well. in, in
0: the in the UK being Chinese laundry. I mean, in, in America, there there are social reasons why that occurred yeah, yeah. on the West Coast, and it was almost like law that they couldn't actually have. you know, There are very limited jobs mm. for people of Asian descent yeah. in the US. At that time, mm-hmm. so it's one of the few jobs they could actually legally do. Yeah. Whether that is in the QK but well, wasn't the yeah. case. But anyway.
1: And then continuing that Chinese theme, they find the major in a that slightly questionable, oh. com- where there's lots of lady companions wearing hats the more commonly seen in rice fields and
0: oh, accompanying
1: yes. gentlemen with a with a club singer in a singing
0: Hindustan. Yeah. You said that. You said that lady was from. Terror
1: Hawks. Oh, she did some of the voices. That was one of the things oh, when I looked right. okay. her up on my, on IMDb. But yeah, it just again that's not in the short story, and maybe it was just to give a bit more colour to the episode. But it just just felt a bit off.
0: I mean, again, these are this is running to fifty one minutes, so yeah. they have to kind of fill it out somehow.
1: So yeah, I mean, maybe they added it in to just show how sleazy he the major was because mm. he's obviously had some involvement because they tell him they're running out of gin. But basically they they come to the realization that he was the one blackmailing her, although at this point in the episode, we still don't we know don't know why. what Mrs.
0: Allen is being blackmailed for,
1: yeah, yeah, and the other thing is is if you're blackmailing somebody, why would you murder them because that's your source it's of income gone, so some of that is covered more. In the short story and, and they talk about, oh, maybe she'd had enough and she bought the gun out to shoot him and there was a struggle and it was an accident mm. or something to to that effect. Because the whole, the whole point of them not thinking he's the last person to see her alive is that when he left the house, he was seen turning back to the doorstep and speaking, but they, nobody could hear a response or see Mrs. Allen. Mm. Um, and actually they asked the, the street urchin um, who closed <laughs> the, the... Street fr- urchin. I don't know what <laughs> the else The one to who's helping um, Hastings. Captain Hastings fix his car. Yeah, yeah. Um, they asked him who closed the front door. I think the lady did. No, she never. It was him. He pulled it to with a big bang and then got into the car really quick. Because obviously if it was Major Eustace, perhaps he had already murdered her and he was just making it appear. Well, Jap says that old trick. Yeah, that yeah. she was she was still alive. Yeah. One thing I I noted down, uh, which i sorry, I haven't, I haven't raised, is again, there was the use of music at key points in the episode. So the music gets quite dramatic when they're looking in that understairs yes. cupboard. Yes. Um, And when Major Eustace is arrested, um, you said throughout that scene, there was like a shaft of light on his face. It's
0: it's a trick, I think, in TV filmings, when they want to emphasise somebody's face or, Mm. you know, very much what they're saying, they put a kind of slotted beam of light across their eyes Mm -hmm. and just emphasise that. You can see it on quite a few programmes.
1: Um, But then at the end of that scene, after he's been arrested and he's horrified, they frame it so Poirot's arm and Jap's arm form a V around him of dark and then it's ah. just his face sort of lit, clever lit it's up, cleverly done looking, looking you don't want, you,
0: you, I mean it's it's one of those things that's so cleverly done the whole point is not to notice yeah. it consciously mm-hmm. but to, to just have that feeling like something like this yes cause yeah. it's cleverly put together
1: yeah yeah absolutely so Poirot then goes back to the house and I'm not entirely sure why but he's met by that charwoman
0: oh mrs pierce
1: yes yes dear <laughs> She says dear a lot, doesn't she? She, she does, <laughs> says.
0: Well, this is it, because um, she she says uh, that Poirot's exploits are always in the newspapers.
1: My old man will be ever so tickled when I tell him you was here, dear. Always reading your exploits in the paper he is.
0: So it, it's it's again establishing that Poirot is quite famous yeah, at this he's point well known. in time. Her
1: husband loves reading about Because this dear. is
0: definitely like November 1935 mm-hmm. set in the story, yeah. because uh, in one scene, I think in japs office he's got a calendar in the background that says tuesday the 6th of november so of course me goes up (laughs) online and says in what year was tuesday the 6th of november 1930s and it is 1935 Mm -hmm. that's also said later but you know it's one of those things they've kind of nailed this episode down to that year
1: yeah yeah which we'll see how that fits in with the rest of the (laughs) series yeah um yeah, I'm not entirely sure why he goes back, but it's quite nice to see him recognised and see his sort of slight smug <laughs> reaction when he is. But when he sees that the golf clubs, well, we don't see the golf clubs, his, his foc- they're not there at this mm. time, but their focus is, I was looking for them, is why I know they weren't there. And his focus was on the where the case had been previously, and that was missing, and... Mrs. What she called Mrs. Charwoman. Mrs. Pierce. Mrs. Pierce. Oh Mrs. Pierce. She Sorry. Such a very, so she forgettable in, name. She is in the story, but much earlier okay. and not for very much. We remember you, Mrs. Pierce. <laughs> um, she says he's played golf. So then we're at a scene where Hastings and Poirot are at the golf club.
0: Oh, it's hilarious! The golf club scene. <laughs> <laughs> there they all are. There. There's Hastings and Poirot. And is Inspector Jap there? I can't no, remember. No, no, no. He's not. It's just no. Hastings and Poirot. Yeah. And they're obviously trying to follow uh Miss plendleith around the golf course. Mm-hmm. And there is Poirot who says, Why aren't we catching up with this? It's set off like half you know, one and a half hours yeah. ahead or something. She might be on the return journey. Yeah. You can cut through on the parallel course. Mm-hmm. But before that, it's just like here's a golf club. H- hit hit the ball into that small green area over there. He says, where? Over there, by that red patch. Yeah. So he just takes this thing and just gets it so close to the hole, <laughs> everyone looks around and goes, what?
1: <laughs> In fact, I think we've got the clip of that. Am I allowed to hit the flag? Oh, yes,
0: yes, that'll be fine.
1: No, it will not hit the flag, I think. Oh, bad luck. And then that point where they're trying to catch up, Poirot has one of his other little digs at Hastings, doesn't he? About where he says, oh, how do you expect us to ever catch up if you take so many hits to get the ball around the course? <laughs> um, and as they're working their way around, Poirot is checking the litter bins. I never knew golf clubs had so many litter bins, but maybe. Neither did, I. Yeah, I don't play golf. I don't know. And they find a I think they mentioned three broken golf clubs. Mm. And then they see Miss Plenderleith and she's throwing that case into the into the golfing lake. Yes. Essentially.
0: I was thinking when she was throwing it said that's a really nice leather yeah, case.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I'll come back to the golf clubs because it isn't really explained why she's doing that
0: oh it's because oh, i know why oh but
1: i don't think they explain it in the episode yeah so yeah yes, do they? They do. yeah they, they say oh, it's because
0: there are left-handed yes. golf yeah, clubs yeah yeah and she was trying to convince everyone that it, she yes, was right-handed the victim absolutely, yeah yeah
1: did that come in the final scene yes oh, yes sorry, it did I completely
0: this is why it. there's two of us watching <laughs> yeah. between us we will probably get that and if we miss it please write in <laughs> greatest detective um <laughs> we can make things better in the show notes it's fine <laughs> So, you know, that the reason was explained that yeah. they're less-handed golf clubs. Why she didn't just, like, hand them into a charity shop? Well,
1: yeah. It seems a bit... Anyway. Because that, that's why she makes such a thing of the case. The case is irrelevant. It's because she's trying to distract their attention from the golf clubs. Whereas, actually, if she'd have just left it, nobody probably would even have noticed. Curses. <laughs> so, that was a bit strange. And then we get the denouement.
0: Yes, because Poirot has figured it out. He's figured it all out now. Little Grace And this is the first time on TV that we see in Agatha Christie's Poirot where there is the gathering Mm -hmm. together. Very small gathering together. Yeah. Because Inspector Japp is there in Whitehaven Mansions. And you've got Hastings, obviously Poirot. And they've just invited Miss Plenderleith there, Mm -hmm. who's just come from Mrs. Allen's funeral. Yeah. So. And then basically Poirot explains it all.
1: Yeah. So it turns out that, yes, Mrs. Allen was being blackmailed and it turns out and that she'd had a child. Now, in, in the short story, that said really early on that she'd married somebody. It was a bit questionable. He died. She also had a little girl who'd also died. And at that point, she'd come back to...
0: Oh, you see, it was slightly different in the TV version. Yeah, so
1: we only find out now, although I did notice, and I remember me pointing out that when Poirot was looking again at the bureau, you could see the photograph of a small child Um, on her bureau.
0: See, in the TV uh, edition, basically said that Mrs. Allen had an affair with a married man.
1: Yes. No, so I've come to this. That is Ah. true. But she'd had this, apparently, she'd had this affair with this much older married man, got pregnant... Disappeared off to a neighbouring town for a while. Came back as Mrs. Allen, um, and but because she'd had a child out of wedlock, and Major Eustace knew this, that's what he was blackmailing. Yeah. So her now we find with. out in the TV yeah. episode. At this so point. in in the in the story, you know about the child from the beginning, but you don't know that it was illegitimate until the end. <laughs> Um, so that that gives him the motivation for that, and why and why she was paying him off because obviously her fiance is an MP. There's no way he would have married her with with that hanging over them because he's so upright. And I guess those interviews with him are designed to show his straight line. I don't know character and how he would ever never deviate. And he's mm. just too keen to progress. And and tragically, she basically decides. She she couldn't live without him, so rather than anything, she wouldn't live at all.
0: Oh, Which, she couldn't, I said, she realized she couldn't marry him. Yeah, with it hanging b- because over. Because that her. would be a hanging over, and he was an MP, so yeah. it would bring disrepute on his reputation. So yeah. she took the only way out. Uh, yes. Probably <laughs> a little extreme. A yeah, but, yeah. um, um at least didn't written, make a mess of the country. I've
1: written down here that there was a point where. Um, I can't remember what Hastings said. He noticed something, and Poirot goes, "Well done, Hastings," which was a little bit patronising. I
0: suppose so, but he he was giving praise. Yeah. It was
1: true. Yeah, it just sounded like. Can you remember what you noticed? No, no, <laughs> never mind.
0: Please help us out if you're listening to this show. Uh, tell
1: us we what we yeah. missed. The other thing I noticed in that scene—it came from a place of love. Yes, I'm sure it did. <laughs> The other thing I noticed in that scene, because Poirot was standing right in front of it, is that that check from episode one that he'd so proud, for a guinea, that he'd so proudly had put up on the wall was missing.
0: You were looking for that. I I was
1: looking for it. Maybe he would taken it
0: down to give it a dust, Mm, you never know. There
1: was no nail or anything. Oh,
0: (laughs) Put up with command strips. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Invented them specially. <laughs> Especially for, uh, even, even though we saw Miss Lemon hammering an I know. Uh, yeah. Centimeter to the left, Miss Lemon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, anything else you wanted to cover in that? Sorry, I feel like I've done all the talking. No, <laughs> you. I
0: mean, that, that's. I think that's that's the best way around it. I mean, I've got stuff for uh, trivia later on, mm-hmm. but we do have that section where we we talk about some of the people actually yeah. in the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: I recognise that chap. We do recognise that chap and chap S. In the first case, Miss Plenderleith, who I vaguely remember, uh, looks familiar, and that's played by Juliet Mole. And Juliet hasn't been in a great number of things compared to some other people mm-hmm. as we said in the first episode but she has been in Rumpole of the Bailey um, obviously in Poirot and before Poirot her appearance was in Agatha Christie's Miss Marple mm. in the 450 from Paddington so she already had her Agatha Christie chops there yeah. in the tv series <laughs> when she played this particular role now the other person who is of quite a bit of interest actually is David Yelland Now, David Yelland plays Charles Laverton West, the Member of Parliament. The
1: boiled owl.
0: The boiled owl. (laughs) He plays the boiled owl, again, to fight crime at night, wherever there's a saucepan with water. (laughs) No, so he plays Laverton West. Now, this plays on later on, because you notice this, that actually David Yelland goes on to play Poirot's valet in the later series. Yeah, George That's right, he plays short and in He was was,
1: was actually in the the short story. Oh, really? Okay, because
0: he's in seven episodes from 2006 to 2015. So he comes back, starts as an MP, ends up as Poirot's (laughs) valet. But he has been in absolutely loads of things over the years because, I'm just looking at it, he will probably be most remembered for playing the Prince of Wales in Chariots of Fire. Oh, right. That's not
1: what I've never seen it. Well, 1981,
0: you were like four. Yeah, yeah. It's an Oscar winner. You must have (laughs) seen it at the age of four. I'm sure your parents took you to the cinema (laughs) just to
1: see Chariots of Fire.
0: But he's been in absolutely loads of things spooks, bones, EastEnders, foils, war. The
1: thing I knew him from was Game of Thrones. Oh, who did he play in Game of Thrones? Is, is it him that's in Game of Thrones? Have I got the wrong person?
0: Oh, I don't know. I didn't see Game of Thrones on the oh, list.
1: I tell you who was in Game of Thrones, then it must be Major Eustace.
0: Oh, right, maybe.
1: I don't know. I might check that now. You might just
0: check that since we have access to the internet. And they tell us this thing. David Yelland was also in a 2017 episode of Endeavour. Quite a few people have been in Endeavour, which is the precursor... To Morse, the TV series. So there are a few series on TV in British TV where everyone's been in yeah, it one it way was, or another. It
1: was Major Eustace. Oh, was he in? It, he was in Game, Game of Thrones. He played Randall Tarley. Oh, I knew someone ties. had. I got them mixed up. Apologies. Oh, that would make
0: a lot of sense. Yeah. But basically, David Yelland is one of those people who has just been in so many things. It's, I mean, scrolling through the IMDb entry, mm-hmm. and he, he was in Emmerdale. Crikey, back in 1979. <laughs> I fancy that. So those are the two people who kind of stood out for me from that. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that David Yellen turns up later, several years, like 15, 16 years later. Which is
1: interesting because I think in the short stories I'd always pictured George as much younger. I don't know why. and I'll have to, when I get to those stories, work out why I did think that or I just got the wrong impression somewhere along the way. Because, yeah, what's not clear to me about George is exactly when Poirot has a valet because he's Never mentioned, like in, in episode one that we talked about before, and Poirot talks about getting a spot of, there's a spot of grease on his clothes. This
0: is like the first scene with Poirot. Yeah.
1: he In the short story, he takes the grease out himself. So that's something you get your valet to do. All this complaining about his collars and the Chinese laundry, rather than getting Miss Lemon, your secretary, to write them a letter... You get your valet to deal with it, but he didn't seem to be on the scene in quite the same way.
0: No, it's it's kind of interesting because you 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 mentioned about the valet, and it's also like, well, why doesn't Charles Lawton West? Why doesn't he have a valet?
1: Yeah, so when he's talking about his alibi and what was he doing on the night, and he says, well, I just went back to my, I walked along the Thames and then to look at the fireworks, and then I went home, and they were like, "Did, did anyone see you? And he's like, no. But surely he'd have had a...
0: You'd think Laverton West would have a valet, yeah. but then you think it's... it's see, this is mid-1930s, mm. and Charles Laverton West is a Member of Parliament. I'm sure he's a very busy gentleman, because we see him talking to the Prime Minister on the phone, yeah. and all that kind of thing. But I do wonder if... if I think those kind of staff were being phased out. Because certainly after yeah. World War One, it was very difficult yeah, to get yeah. staff. I mean, we've all watched... Uh, clear Castle,
1: Downton Abbey. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's really called Highclere. <laughs> right. Okay. We walked Downton Abbey, and how difficult it was getting staff after the yeah, war. Yeah. Um. And so fewer and fewer people had them. So maybe that's the case where, you know, it's and certainly I think by the end of World War oh, Two, you, that yeah. you've just not yeah. seen, you know, very very few people yeah. indeed. Which is why I just find stone. it
1: interesting that at some points Poirot has one.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he's of a certain age and and yeah, you know, a I breed guess. of person where Poirot would.
1: Mm. I don't know. I think I got the impression from the short story that the MP was from a titled family or a very oh, rich okay. family, but I'm not sure why. And I'm sure they make some mention of the fact that um, about Mrs. Allen's social standing and how actually I think it says something like that Mrs. Allen's mother was a distant cousin of, of her feet. <laughs> Fiances or something.
0: Everyone moved in the same yeah, circles. Yeah. Of that so kind yeah. So it was
1: like it may not appear that we we are the same, but we are.
0: Yeah, it's like the pharaohs of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it in the extended <laughs> social <quite>. family. <laughs>
1: yeah. So
0: those those are the two I recognise. Yeah. Anyway, should we go on to trivial matters? Yeah, that's fine. A trivial matter. Right, in trivial matters, this is our catch-all for. Things we noticed that are literally (laughs) trivia or things we missed in the first part of the show. (laughs) This is our catch-all for (laughs) trivial matters and everything else. So what I have on the list. Um, Not really dealing with the episode, but I do have Suchet's book, Mm Poirot and Me. And I'd forgotten, because it's been a while since I read it, that he he was actually living in Pinner Mm. at the time. And I I do wonder, because I also lived in Pinner, so maybe... I was living in Pinner at the same time the as David Suchet. Mine, mine was early two thousand, very early two yeah. thousands. when he was still there, I thought maybe, maybe I've been on the same train you know as David Suchet. Mind <laughs> you, I think he actually got a car. Yeah, and when I he sus- was actually filming, he got. I a suspect, suspect car, he was getting the lines.
1: getting the tube, and <laughs> he might have been.
0: I think he had a driver called Sean, and it uh, helped him learn his lines because it was intense. So there were only yeah, eleven yeah. days to film an episode. Yeah. And he had to get all these lines in because it was all about Poirot. It's quite
1: complex dialogue some
0: of it yeah there yeah. is I mean there, there's a lot to learn mm-hmm. and uh, you know, did a great job on that so I do have some trivia about Whitehaven Mansions okay. which is where Poirot lives mm-hmm. at this time so he's supposed to be in flat 203 at 56B and that's on the second floor we assume from the actual numbering system yeah. so but that's actually as we said in the first episode that's actually at Floring Court in Charterhouse Square in London and apparently the reason that that particular location was chosen was because the building was symmetrical mm-hmm. and Poirot likes symmetry, mm-hmm. like he cannot have two yeah, evenly yeah. sized boiled eggs. So they thought that would be a great location to actually set Whitehaven mansions. Now, Florian Court itself was built in 1936 by Guy Morgan and partners for the whopping sum of £74,000, wow. which is a lot of money in the mid-1930s. Yeah. If you do the conversion. And actually, it was used extensively for filming again in 2019. Filming for, I think it's um uh, Pennyworth, which is a Batman spin-off.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Because that's the, the, quote, the origin of Batman's butler. Oh, my Lord, you're really stretching these franchises when you have to do <laughs> origin stories for the butler. But then again, why not? Why shouldn't the butler get his own I'm, TV series? I'm suit?
1: sure somebody from this episode was in... That.
0: It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me actually. Might
1: be David Yelland.
0: He's in everything. And uh Maybe one of the one of the studio apartments in Florian Court came up a while ago for sale. It was actually feeding newspapers. And it was um in 2021. You could, you could get a nice little studio apartment at Whitehaven Mansions for only three hundred and thirty five thousand pounds.
1: Ooh, a studio Which, apartment. A stu-
0: studio. It's not
1: even a one bed.
0: No, they do have one and two beds, but I think they might be more than £335,000. Right. <laughs> I was saying say, that's not too bad for London these days. <laughs> we could live in the same property. We could podcast this series from the same property. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we live in Yorkshire. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> it's not quite going to happen, is it?
0: <laughs> oh, dear. So I thought that's... Because, I mean... That particular location, I mean, they, they use a lot of shots of that and it's it's a really lovely-looking art deco-style building. Definitely worth checking oh, out.
1: And one thing you pointed out was that whenever they show that, there's always somebody sitting on the bench or walking past or Yeah, it's not just like, something. a here's
0: a panning shot towards it. They've always got some, some actors running around the foreground doing something to mm-hmm. make it a bit more active. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, they had on this. The other piece of trivia that I've kind of scraped from the internet and i'm sure it's true is that the story murder in the muse was first published in the woman's journal in 1936 however it was later published in 1937 by collins and the cover for that was actually done by robin mccartney who was a draftsman on max mallowan's archaeological mm. digs so of course agatha christie married Max Mallowan, yeah, and she so was she often went, there, often there on archaeological digs. So while you're there, by the way, could your draftsman do the cover Something for my to crime club edition?
1: The evening, I guess. Yeah,
0: there's <laughs> <laughs> um, a whole thing on yeah. Max Mallowan that we could go yeah. into, but we won't. Yeah. So because there is that archaeology connection with Agatha archa- mm-hmm. Christie, which is another one of the appeals it has for you yeah, and me. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I found who was in that Pennywise. It was uh, Danny Webb who played that. Sassy Porter in episode oh. one. I knew somebody had seen somewhere. I
0: think it's Pennyworth. Pennyworth. Pennywise is the
1: evil Song. clown
0: from the Stephen King series. <laughs> it
1: is Pennyworth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ew, Batman's okay. butler is really an evil clown monster from the beginning of time. <laughs> spoilers. Oh yeah, talking of spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, talking of spoilers. If you haven't worked it out by now, we utterly, utterly spoil everything for these stories. So yeah. please do make sure. Yeah,
1: if you haven't seen any of the other episodes, don't listen. I too. think You've we should have them. said that at the top yeah. of the first episode.
0: <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, there we go. Yeah. We, we should visit Floring Court. I think yeah, we should we make a, a pilgrimage
1: okay. the next time we're down that yeah.
0: way. I think that would be a good thing to do.
1: Um, one thing I noticed in this episode is there was a little bit more humour. In it, oh, okay. so when, they, although it was slightly questionable, when they were talking about the laundry uh, and getting Poirot's collars sorted out, and then that scene in the at um, the golf course, you know, where somebody asks Poirot if he's got a handicap certificate, and he says, "Oh no, I'm absolutely fine." <laughs> the name of Poirot is feared on golf courses all over
0: the continent. You don't happen to have a handicap certificate on you, do you, sir?
1: No, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and and the joke of him, can I? I've got to get it where over there. Where I can't see it, and then of course absolutely nailing it. Yeah. Um, and I just felt there was a little bit more interplay there, bringing out bringing well, out. Well, it's schema. funny you should say
0: that because in David Suchet's book about Poirot series, he actually says because this was the third one filmed, mm-hmm. but second one shown, because it was the third one filmed that. They'd started to be, he'd started to build rapport. They'd all started mm. to build rapport together as actors. Yeah. They started to gel by this mm-hmm. point. So I think you're getting a much more leisurely interaction yeah. where you can play yeah. off each other. I mean and they become long, long standing friends over oh,
1: absolutely. 20 odd years, yeah, you know. Yeah. But even
0: even by the third episode, they're starting to, to gel together yeah, in that for form. Find so their feet and you're starting to feel that yeah, I think. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. We
0: should go into conclusions, I think. Yeah. So we may conclude we said at the top of the show, probably what should have been in the conclusion, but what the heck? We said that no, actually this one didn't grip us as much yeah. as the adventure of the Clapham Cook,
1: and I'm not, I, I really don't know why, I genuinely don't.
0: Think it's that the story wasn't as interesting or the no, locations. No, I think it's a good or...
1: story. Um, I don't know. I th- I just I'm not sure what it was. I just
0: or do you think it was just our excitement at doing the first episode <laughs> and now we're not jaded second episode of the podcast series. maybe
1: it's cuz i did notice a few more changes from the from the story but that doesn't mm. account for it for you i'm yeah i'm not
0: sure i think i still prefer clapham cook mm-hmm. over the, this too but you know there there's like 70 or plus more to yeah. go yet <laughs> but it was a lot of fun to watch yeah. i really enjoyed yeah. rewatching it again and yeah. you, we we pick up things on multiple rewatchings mm-hmm. you missed the first time round yeah. so it's fantastic fun anyway we should probably sign off so i get the honor this time of signing off on this episode of poirot greatest detective if you want more information about what we're up to visit greatestdetective.com you'll find more supplementary information and probably stuff we correct ourselves on or whatever else (laughs) because you know we're, we're talking and recording and putting it out there because it's a podcast anyway thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time au revoir mes amis bye from Thin King Productions.